Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. And happy time zone. Welcome to our podcast. This is LGBTQ, laughing, growing, bantering, and talking queerness out of the LGBTQ plus culture center on IU Bloomington's campus. My name is Kate. I am, uh, I use she, her, and I am the undergraduate student assistant at the LGBTQ plus culture center where I manage our trainings. Awesome. And I am Maureen. I also use she, her pronouns, and I am the graduate assistant out of uh, the LGBTQ plus culture center. Um, And today we are talking about, uh, we're continuing this theme of labels as we will all semester, and we're talking about um, choosing the labels that you have and the implications of the labels that you use when you're part of the LGBTQ community, Um, which is a very interesting topic because there's so much that goes into it that like it seems, I don't know, on the surface level, it seems like, okay, you pick something and you go with it, but there's a lot more than to it than that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no. And, and, and choosing one's labels can be a really hard and complicated decision. Um, and, and you might, I, I, I want to make clear, you know, you might even be a little bit put off by our, our use of the word choosing um, in this context, but I, I think we'll get to that in a minute. I think, I think that actual, that verb is, is actually pretty important. Um, but yeah, no, that, that choice can be really powerful and, and important for people. It is. Um, and I think that like choosing piece, we probably should char- start there because it is sure, something yeah. that people may be like, I thought we weren't supposed to talk about people choosing to be. We're not saying that you're choosing who you're attracted to. We're not saying that you're choosing your sexuality. We're not saying you're, we're, you're choosing that. We're saying not you're choosing how you define it. You're choosing how you... Um, explain it and how you reference it and how you um, label it. Um, And that I think is a very like subtle, it might seem like a subtle distinction, but it is a big distinction because that sort of label that you apply to yourself can have all sorts of implications and can really kind of um, affect the direction that something might go in for you just based on that. Um, the label or the word that you use to describe yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And it also applies to gender as well. Um, you know, they, but for both gender and sexuality, the, the label you choose can really affect the way that you think about yourself and the way that others think about you. Um, and, and that, that is both good and bad in a lot of ways. Yes. Okay. So last week we talked about this it wasn't um, last week, but last, last week, episode. last episode. You're right. You're right. <laughs> time, time is hard. Okay. Um, we talked about this uh, ice, water, lava, rock example that was referencing like a, a Hank Green um, TikTok, <laughs> TikTok. Yeah. Um, which we love TikTok here. I'm all, all here for the time sucking energy that it, uh, <laughs> it uses. Um, but I think in this example, it, it also is relevant here, right? The, Absolutely the way that like you wouldn't call, I'm going to mess up this example because there's too many words in my head. So you wouldn't call like a piece of lava. You wouldn't call it water. No, that, you it's could, absurd, right? I mean, you could, you could, but it wouldn't make any sense. No. And I, yeah. So, so that's the other piece of it is the labels you pick and the implications they have also have to make sense for you in the context you're in. And that's, I think, why you can think of it or part of the reason you can think of it as a choice is because 
um, there are so many implications to it and it's going to mean something different depending on what context you exist in and, and what your life is like in other spaces. Right. Absolutely. And I think, you know, when we we're talking about like the different contexts in which people are thinking about things, right? Like if we're talking about, you know, melted rocks and we're working under the assumption that ice is a rock, then, you know, calling water a type of magma might be useful. Like it might genuinely be helpful or, or, you know, important shorthand um, for the conversation you're having, right? Um, but if you're just talking about, you know, if you're talking about like what's safe to walk through, <laughs> then no, that's not helpful at all. Right. Um, so, so I think it, it, and, and what that sort of that circumstance can, can vary a lot based on, you know, who we're talking about and even the situation that that person is in. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and well, I guess the other thing that we need to kind of touch on here is we're talking about choice as if it's like this singular defining yeah, no, it's not. moment and it's not <laughs> it's not at all this is like an ongoing it's back to the whole concept of labels like this is not a concrete topic this is not like a discrete one time like you know I'm 16 years old and I'm choosing this label for myself and when I'm 96 I'm gonna feel the exact same way about this label well, it's, yeah it's not it's not a starter Pokemon you don't like you don't get one <laughs> you don't get one choice and then you're like stuck with it forever oh my gosh if, I think it would be easier if it were a concrete choice but maybe we, we need like a gay professor oak to just all call us to the lab at age 10 and and make us choose our labels just like look through all the card choices there's an image that represents each one. Oh my god that would be a maybe a more fun process but uh that's <laughs> not how it works here uh welcome to the real world everyone this is not Pokemon yeah no but you're absolutely right um <laughs> these labels are not permanent you know um and and you know I think I think the the born this way narrative can actually be a stumbling block for people. You know, I think um, for a long time, the the queer community as a whole pushed the, the narrative of, um, you know, we're born like this, there's nothing you can do to fix us, there's, there's, you know, there's nothing you can do to, to make us other than we are. And I think that was really helpful and valid for the time that it was used, but I think anymore, um, it, it just becomes a stumbling block for people as they're figuring out their own um, their own, you know, sexuality and gender and things like that, um, because it, it implies this sort of permanence and, and non-fluidity, you know, and I think, I think different labels work better for people at different stages of their lives, you know, and some people might choose to stick with the same label their whole life, but other people, um, you know, part of that process is, you know, trying on different labels to see how well they fit and, and changing them out and stuff. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And we also have to remember that the like descriptors and these labels, like they don't make perfect boxes. We can't say like, okay, if you have X, Y, and Z things, you're a lesbian. If you have no. X, Y, and Z things, you're gay. If you have X, Y, and Z things, you're a cis, whatever. Like it doesn't, it's not, it's again, back to this concept of, of this being like such a complicated topic because there is so much fluidity and there is kind of all of these 
um, I think there's a tool and I don't remember where I saw it once, but it had all of these different kind of spectrums laid out. And I think that that tool where, you know, maybe you're closer to this end than the other end of this is, was a really helpful way of helping me understand that these are not distinct categories. They're not distinct, um, and isolated events. And and thinking about that is going to lead to a lot more confusion and, and a lot harder or make it a lot harder for acceptance of all of these different individual differences between people in this community. For sure. Um, yeah, no, I've, I've used that tool before in some of my trainings. I don't think it's, I don't actually think I'm using it in any of the current ones. Um, I think maybe yeah. it was in like prior iterations. It was. Like yeah. Ally 101. Yeah. And from... I'm, I'm sure it will make a resurgence at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. If it, if it, if I'm not already using it, I might be. Um, I, yeah, I don't know where I've seen, I've seen it in a lot of places. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but no, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, actually one of the things that I find super fascinating um, not something that I personally identify with, um, but I, I have seen a lot of people um, descri- using the word lesbian to describe their gender, which I think is super cool. I have not heard of that before. Yeah. That's yeah. Wild. So it's like, it's like saying, you know, because a- as a lesbian, like one's gender is, one's womanness is inherently different from someone who's not a lesbian. And, and as such, woman and for some people, they say that it's to the extent that, you know, women is not necessarily a hundred percent accurate descriptor. And so they're using lesbian as, as a gender identity, which I think is super fascinating. That's so cool. And I guess it just goes to show how multifaceted Mm -hmm. all these definitions are, because there are constantly people being creative and, and finding ways to describe themselves that feel right that feel correct and with the limitations of the language that exists around us. I think that's so wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, because we live in a, in a society where that, that is, you know, that is heteronormative, that is cisnormative, mm-hmm. um, that does enforce a gender binary, you know, we have limited words to talk about these things. Um, and so I think it's really important to let yourself be creative with the ways you're describing your sexuality and gender. Um, because, you know, the, the words don't exist for this kind of thing. And so being creative and being silly and, you know, imagining different ways to talk about stuff, um, it can be super helpful in, um, in learning to figure yourself out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So I think this is a good basis and we should move on to the next thing that we wanted to talk about, which is what are the things that actually affect the decisions you make about how you label yourself or how, um, you describe yourself, uh, because there's a lot, there are, <laughs> and I don't think we're going to cover all of them. We've kind of, no, of course. I don't think, I don't think anybody I, could. I don't think that if I were to sit here for two hours, I could list them all off. Um, but you don't want to listen to two hours of me doing that. So, <laughs> um, okay. So the first one that we wanted to talk about is the connections that you can, um, create by using a shared label. Um, and the connections to certain communities or access to different communities that you can gain by using the shared label. So the idea behind this is if you call yourself this, and then there's a bunch of people who also call themselves this, there's automatically this knowledge that you have these shared experiences that can lead to bonds and, and learning from one another and having this group of people who understand the experiences that you've had that maybe other people who identify themselves differently will not be as able to understand simply because 
they don't, again, that environment in that context looks a little bit different than that for each person. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we talked, we touched on last week, this idea of like, you know, finding community for the purpose of education. Um, and I think there's lots of other utilities of community as well, but, um, you know, we talked about like last week, you know, if you're a trans woman, your mom probably doesn't know how to shave her facial hair, you know, how to shave your facial hair in a way that doesn't show up and your dad probably never had to worry about it, right? So talking to other trans femme people can probably be helpful um, in that area for you. Um, and, and then lots of other, you know, different different labels, different identities, different experiences can have similar, um, similar parallels, right? Um, so I think that's super helpful. Um, and then also, you know, for those who do face family rejection, because unfortunately that's all too common, um, mm -hmm. you know, having, having this sort of kinship um, with others who maybe haven't, you know, maybe not all of them have experienced family rejection, which is, you know, would be ideal, um, but they at least, you know, are able to relate to some of your experiences and, and being able to have that sort of found family kind of thing, uh, which can exist anywhere, but especially with people, you know, who have similar identities. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to say, so the, the sentence or the last time I spoke, I said people with the same label, but I think this is also true of just with any time when you have this, whatever label you choose, it isn't just that you're finding community with people with the exact same labels, but absolutely. it is providing access to people who have similar labels or similar descriptions of themselves, or maybe at least providing that like, okay, this is what I mean by this. So now we can grow from there, even if it isn't necessarily that same exact, like that's the foundation piece, I think is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And, and unfortunately there's a lot of queer spaces where if you're not like sort of openly identifying and like labeling yourself with a queer label, um, they can actually be pretty exclusionary. Uh, we try to, we try our best to avoid that at the center. We never ask, you know, what, how you identify or how, how what labels you want to use um, unless you, unless you, you know, volunteer that information. But um, there are a lot of spaces where, you know, people might feel pressure to identify with a queer label in order to, you know, gain access to that space and get the support that they need. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's a, like a protective factor. It, um, it can be. Yeah, or, for sure. It's born out of this protective factor. Um, and hopefully, hopefully if you have ever actually been to the center, you don't feel like it's an exclusionary case, but that's a different sure. conversation. It getting is. Distracted. But... <laughs> um, so then the next point that we wanted to talk about with this is kind of um, this perception of others. So if you go and you label yourself as X, Y, or Z thing, it's going to mean something to the people who know that you use that label. Um, yeah. And that can definitely play a role. I was reading a story about a woman who um, I think identified kind of with one of those more niche labels, but just told her mom that she was a lesbian because it was mm. language that her mom understood. And that's why she made that choice. And and so I think that the, the perception of others are, um, plays a, also another part in choosing kind of what language you're going to use to describe yourself. Yeah, well, there's the, there's this phenomenon that I find really interesting that I actually do myself, um, where people have, um, like a set of public labels and a set of private labels. Um, so you have like the public labels that you, you know, that are, that you share with pretty much, not necessarily every single person, right, but with, with people in general. Um, and then you have a more detailed or specific set of labels that you use when you're figuring stuff out for yourself, um, which 
um, I think that phenomenon sociologically is really interesting. Um, but I, I also think it makes a lot of sense um, because, you know, a lot of times people, when you're coming out to people, there's, um, there's already a layer of like, you're going to have to do some explaining and, you know, there you have, you're like that being forced to do that work of educating people. Um, and if you're, if you're using, you know, highly specific labels that even other queer people might not necessarily know, you know, then, you know, that's another layer of, of explanation and education. And then you have to explain why you're not using the more common label. Um, and that's just a lot of extra work on top of, you know, the coming out process, which can already be difficult. Right. Absolutely. Um, and, and then you get labels that have some really fierce stereotypes Ooh, attached yeah. to them. Nasty stereotypes um, sometimes. Fierce might be an understatement. It's <laughs> uh, definitely an understatement. Um, but there's a, an interesting study that I read recently um, about how early people understand the implications of traits. So like three, four-year-olds were being shown different objects and they were being labeled like things that have negative connotations and things mm. that have po- positive connotations. And already it was influencing the way that they interacted with the things and the people that were labeled with the negative things or the positive things. So we know sure. that like even like young, tiny humans are going to make certain assumptions based off of what stereotypes they know about the labels that we have. So if all you've ever heard about is, you know, I don't know, I don't want to say anything mean, but if all you've ever heard is that this particular label means that this particular type of person who uses it is a bad person, right. Or has this bad trait, then you're going to make negative assumptions about them and have this association that like, maybe this isn't a great person, or maybe this is a person who does X, Y, Z bad thing because they use this label. And And I think that that's a consideration too. Like, obviously we don't want people to have to make choices about themselves based on what other people are going to say or going to do. But the reality is that what other people say or do is highly impactful. And sometimes, you know, those like believing in those stereotypes and treating people as if they are all the negative things associated with the stereotype associated with their label can be really traumatic. And so it is an important conversation to have. Absolutely. You know, um, you're right. And it's all about striking that balance between like, you know, what feels authentic to you and then also what is going to have the most like practical utility in your life. Um, you know, when it comes to people not making those negative assumptions and that sort of thing. Um, and unfortunately, you know, with any, with any major queer label, there are going to be negative stereotypes associated with it. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, you know, to some degree, it's pick your poison. Um, yes. But, you know, um, I think, you know, that, that balance is something that everybody has to decide for themselves um, based on, you know, what your, what your limits are and what you're comfortable with. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it may seem like that pick your poison line is pretty poignant. It's like, are there good choices? Right. Are there choices that are better for you? Are there choices for better for everyone else? And, and again, this goes back to that, like coming out piece is so challenging because there's all of this other stuff that is going on with it. If you could see me, I'm gesticulating a lot, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but it it is, and it can be really challenging. Um, 
And I think that we have one example that we wanted to talk about with this, which is kind of this like buy or pan paradigm, which, which kind of can highlight a lot of these things that we're just talking about. Um, So particularly right now, um, I think in this debate, one of the issues is that um, some people view buy as really limiting and focusing on that like gender binary. And so it can be problematic in its uses in that it's like more exclusionary than being or calling yourself pansexual. Um, and, and that can highlight some of these things that we talked about. So what are the, the implications of the stereotypes that people have? Um, how are you going to explain? And then bisexual is a more common term than pansexual. So maybe it's easier to explain bisexual to someone. So, so those two things, not that I'm saying that everyone has to pick one or the other, but oftentimes they're put into this position where it's, it's one or the other. Yeah, they're um, often they're often opposed, but I really don't think they have to be, you know. Right. Um, and and I think a lot of the honestly, I think a lot of the concerns about you know about by being exclusionary or whatever are often unfounded. I mean, sometimes it is. Yeah. But mm-hmm. but you know, oftentimes it's just people are using that label because it's something they're comfortable with and it's not meant to exclude anybody or anything like that, you know. But. Mm-hmm. But it's just, you know, it, it's, it's, um, but you're absolutely right. There are different utilities for each of them. And, and, you know, people have got to choose which ones or, you know, or, or, or none, right. Um, right. Fit them best, you know? Yes. It's like coding. You can pick one, you can pick all of them. You can go either, <laughs> or you can switch back and forth. It's like a buffet. Mm. Um, okay. I'm going to get hungry if we keep talking about that. I was say, do we have any mashed potatoes? <laughs> I wish. Um, if only that were, uh, never mind. Okay. <laughs> Moving on from this rabbit hole. Um, the next thing we want to talk about is kind of this idea of salience of labels. And I don't know if you want to start Kate by explaining what you mean by salience, because I think it has a very sure. particular usage in this context. Yeah. It might not be a word that people are familiar with. Um, so salience is sort of the, the degree to which a identity or a trait is relevant to your life, how important, I don't want to say necessarily how important it is to you, um, although that does play a factor. Um, it's sort of the the degree to which it impacts your life, the degree to which you spend time thinking about it. Um, I guess relevant is probably the best um, the best word to describe it. It's like, and, and you know, something can be relevant because other people make it relevant. Something can be relevant because it's important to you. Um, there's lots of reasons why something might be salient. Um, but yeah, that's, that's sort of the gist of it in general. Yeah. And I think it also, <clears throat> excuse me, comes back to this idea of um, kind of this intersection piece too, is, Absolutely. is, is the queer part of your identity, the part that um, has the biggest impact or has a bigger impact or, or is kind of more of like, oh, like, oh yeah, like, you know, it's, it's a casual, like part of your identity that doesn't necessarily affect a lot of uh, the like relationships or other identity pieces you have. Um, and the level of salience that this, your identity has in your life also, I think will impact um, how you choose your labels and how much time and, and energy you put into like identifying like this perfect label, because if it's something that's a, a bigger part of your life, it's going to be, or I would assume it would be more important, generally correlated. Yeah. In a general sense, right. (laughs) Not for everyone. This is in every case, but if it's something that's like more prominent in your life, it's going to be more important to pick a label that is more, um, more closely represented with, with 
who you actually are. Whereas if it's something that's less prominent, it might be like, okay, this is like, like I'm this and you just don't ever think about it again. And, and for some people, you don't think about it. And for some people, it's like a constant, like hum almost in your life of thinking about it. Definitely. Um, you know, for, for those for whom it's, for whom, you know, gender or sexuality is super salient, um, not to be confused with super saiyan, um, it's <laughs> all the nerd references in this podcast. Um, for, for those who, for whom it's super salient, um, they, you know, there, there's a tendency and not, not a bad one at all, um, to want, you know, a more, a more defined label, because if, if this experience is taking up a large part of your, your consciousness, your experience, um, it only makes sense that you might want to have more specific language to use to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for the record, again, that might not be for everybody, but for a lot of people, right? Um, whereas for some, for other people, um, I found this especially with um, people who label their sexuality as queer. Um, but of course, it can apply to anybody. Um, you know, it's just like, this isn't really that big of a deal to me. I'm, I know I'm probably not straight, but like, whatever. So queer, there we go. And, and I think that's awesome too. You know, I, I, I think people shouldn't have to think about it uh, if they don't want to. Absolutely. Um, and I, again, this can also circle back to not just what it has impact on you right in the present moment, but also kind of this level of salience or the level of importance it's had. I guess importance isn't the right word, but the level of prominence maybe it's had in your sure. past. So have you faced significant uh, adversity around it? Does that mean that it's more important to you or less important to you? Um, are a lot of your communities built off of, of this particular part of your identity? Are um, fewer communities built off of this or, or directly related to this part of your community can also have this impact on um, the salience of, of a label that you're using? Absolutely. You know, um, and, and the communities that you're in can highly influence the, the labels that you use. You know, if you're, if you're in a mostly, you know, cis and, and straight community, um, you might be, you might tend to use labels that are more general or more publicly well-known. Um, whereas if you're in a queer community, you might choose, um, you know, more specific labels because people are going to be more likely to, you know, either understand them or be willing to understand them. Um, or maybe not, you know, I, again, this is all, we're all speaking generally. Um, this is all, you know, right. we're speaking about broad trends here and that's going to be, right. there can be specific it? people with, who, who take, we're saying like, that's wrong. That's upside down. That's <laughs> sideways. Like, absolutely. You're correct. Like, yeah. We're saying, yeah, definitely a theme is, is broad, broad strokes here. Um, I totally lost my train of thought. Um, God. Um, yeah. So the, the next thing we wanted to talk about, I think was, um, you know, how important is that identity to your sense of self as like a whole person? You know, this is, this is sort of, um, sort of the general salience, but also more specifically, um, like when you think about yourself as a person, do you think of yourself as a queer person? Do you think of yourself as a trans person? Do you think of yourself as a gay person or are you an artist who happens to be gay? Are you a accountant who happens to be gay? Are you a real estate agent who happens to be trans? You know, um, 
how how does that affect the way that you think about yourself as a whole person? Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's a right or wrong way to think about it. It's just it just however you know however it works for you. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it might also be helpful to point out that you know if if there if you identify with um, more than like one one um, identity or description that happens to fall into this LGBTQ community, then that might also play a role in, in how important this is to your life. Um, Definitely. Because if it's affecting more of those identities, again, that intersection piece, the more identities it affects, the, the higher level of salience, or at least that's the general kind of correlation that we can, we're talking about here. Um, and is the more salient it's going to be for you. Yeah, absolutely. When you, when we're talking about um, like intersections between labels, the first thing that came to my mind um, was, so a lot of lesbians who um, are also ace um, use the label Bambi lesbian, um, which <laughs> don't That's do so a spit cute. take. I don't do a that. spit take. I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> oh my God, that would not be a sound. That would be pleasant for anyone's ear. Um. So, so I, I, yeah, I really love that label. Um, and I think it's, I think it's a beautiful way of integrating those two parts of identity. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, again, it just goes to show there's like so many ways that this, this, there's so many factors we could literally sit here for days and Absolutely. list all of the things that could potentially for some people impact the types of labels that you use to describe your sexuality or your gender. And yeah, it would be a never-ending conversation. Um, however, um, <laughs> we're already running a little bit to over the time, end. So, yeah, that might bring us to the end of ours. So, big takeaways from today: um, the labels you use are not permanent. There's a sense of fluidity, and there are a lot of different factors that impact um, how someone might choose to describe themselves, um, and that choosing a label does not necessarily is not the same as like choosing your sexuality. Like those are not the same concept. Remember that. Um, yeah. Any other, I think, no, I think you covered it. I was like, I was like, as you were talking, I was trying to think of anything more, but I think, I think you did. I think you did a pretty good job of, of reminding people what we covered today. Awesome. Awesome. The next week we are not next week. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say that every time now. Um, Next time we're going to be talking about micro labels and label abolitionism or not using labels at all which will be a further continuation of this piece um but that is all that we have today so thank you for listening to our podcast this is lgbtq laughing growing bantering and talking queerness from the lgbtq plus culture center on iu bloomington's campus i'm maureen and i'm kate thanks so much for listening and that's kate and, uh, and we'll hope to see you next time <laughs>